Hello everyone, welcome to King's Talk presented by Cap City Crown. This is Tony. With me as always, we've got John. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've last talked. Summer League has ended. The Kings have made an acquisition. Still though, not a whole lot going on as it is uh, the off season in late July. But yeah, John, what's going on? What's happening? What's happening, Captain, as they say? Well, just like you laid out there, I mean, not much, which has kind of been the nature of this off season. It's not to say it's been a bad off season, because given all the circumstances, I think McNair and company have made some pretty smart moves, and they're still in a position to advance in terms of improving, I guess I mean. But it has been pretty bad for uh, the uh, podcasting uh, world, I would say, because we took last week off because we just didn't see as much of a we took the last two weeks off right i mean that's 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 so that's almost that's more than two weeks since we've recorded yes yeah it was well thanks for joining us folks we're really glad you're here and we're we're happy that you're here and we're hope we hope you're happy that we're back yeah they're 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 ecstatic yeah it's unbelievable but yeah i mean uh thank goodness though you know that uh, we we can rely on the fact that the Kings did make that extra move, like you said, so we don't have to just sit here and talk about what happened at Summer League, which, you know, Summer League has plenty to talk about, but to fill a whole podcast with what happened at Summer League is... I'll tell you what happened at Summer League. Colby Jones ruined the, the streak of uh, two MVPs in a row for the Kings. Could have had three Summer League MVPs in a row, but no. Well, whoever. I mean, who, who would have been the front runner, I guess? Jordan <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think Kessler Edwards and Keon Ellis were probably the two most solid players th- through and through. But Jordan Ford was technically the like lead guy for the team. I think he led the team in scoring. Well, I'm just gonna put it on Colby since he was, you know, because Davion and Keegan won it last two years, and they were the first pick of the Kings in the draft that in the like that season. And Colby Jones was our first pick, and he uh, he didn't win so. Yeah, there's no slack just because you got picked 34th, Colby. And yeah. you know what? You definitely don't get slack when your name's Colby. No, I, Colby Jones. I love Colby. Colby Jones, nice player to watch. It's going to be very interesting. Seems like a good kid. But damn, I can't stand that name. I would have rather had Derek Whitehead. Whitehead's disgusting, but Colby <laughs> might be a little more disgusting in my mind. That's Yeah, Colby. I don't know. Just go with Kobe. I don't know. I know. What are we going to be doing when Colby puts up a shot? Colby! <laughs> Colby! But because cl- it's Colby. He and it, not, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or because it's Colby and not Kobe. It's just instead of it being like a fadeaway in the mid post, it's going to be like just a little floater. It's like, yeah, that's all he's got. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's got more than that. But yeah, that well, was his, his most Kobe esque trick in his bag, I guess you would say. <laughs> Yeah, and they're both 6'5", right? Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, Colby Jones, I think, is technically 6'6". Six, six they're, they're pretty much the same person. <laughs> well, I think actually Kobe was 6'6". Six, six. I don't know. It, you know what? What's the difference? Honestly, a one-inch difference. You're the same size. Yeah, that's fair. Because it's not even, that's probably not even the real height. Kobe was, <laughs> I'm looking it up, basketball reference has him at 6'6". Six, six, so... Mm. They're the, they're, the, they're the same guy. If know? he doesn't have a career that ends similar to Kobe Bryant's, it's essentially going to have been a failure. 
of a if Kobe Jones doesn't do the the shaved head look by year six, something's wrong because he's Kobe Bryant. And I don't know when Kobe went shaved head look, but I'm dude. Sorry. And you want to know something even crazier that is related to Kobe Bryant? They were both drafted by the Charlotte Hornets and traded to a team in the Pacific Division. Okay, Kings fans, strap in because it's going to be so exciting to watch the reincarnation of the Black Mamba. Yeah, crazy. Wow. Yes. He'll be soaring to new heights. I like it says this. I'm like... I want Kobe Bryant's. Oh my god! I want Kobe Bryant's basketball reference page, and I like have like the more info. Like I, don't know, I clicked on that, so it says more info. <laughs> it just says relatives, father Joe Bryant, and then it says uncle, and his uncle's name was Chubby Cox. <laughs> Wait, did Chubby Cox do something? <laughs> he, he he played in. He played in for the Washington Bullets in the 82-83 season for seven games. You know what Chubby Cox's son's nickname is? <laughs> Tell me. Slim. Slim Cox. <laughs> Chubby Cox and Slim Cox. Take your pick. It's whatever you want. Kobe or Kobe. Slim or Chubby. That's hilarious. And Kobe's dad played in the NBA for like eight years. Seven years. I don't years. actually know if I knew that. I, I did not know that. He was... He was whatever. <laughs> he wasn't that good. But um he was decent, I guess. Like average. But to be but to be Kobe's dad? Come on. Yeah. I mean he was not anywhere close. Like he was never an all star or anything. Like his career early, high is eleven point eight a game. So how early in life do you think Kobe beat his dad? And also, you know, just while we're here, how early in life did Kobe beat Chubby Cox? Chubby? When, did you, when did you beat Chubby Cox? Have you ever beat Chubby Cox? <laughs> uh, as you know, <laughs> we're losing so many listeners. They're like, "This is a family show." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, many of our faithful listeners have just left. Yeah, sorry. This is you know, this is this is wrong. We're just talking about Chubby Cox over here. I'm reporting this video, anyways. So basically, uh, yeah, Colby Jones, Chubby Cox. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about another guy uh, named <laughs> named Nerlens Nerlens Noel. Um, yeah, Nerlens. You know, it's good for me that the um, the Kings got Nerlens Noel because I have this thing where I usually try to <laughs> link up with a, a Kings player and do a Christmas sweater. And I can, uh, you know, the first Noel <laughs> right there. So, except he's the sixth Noel because he didn't get drafted number one overall. You know, back in twenty thirteen. That that's very true. He might be the sixth man. You never know. That's true. What does Noel even mean? Like, why is it why is it called the first Noel? You even know it's, it's Christmas. Is Noel mean Christmas? I believe so. I think it might mean Christ. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's one of the two. One of the two. All right, fair enough. Did cool. you go to Catholic school too, dude? Yeah, I just know the song. <laughs> I feel like it's the only time I ever heard that word was the first Noel. Noel. Yeah, I'm gonna just look it up now. Nerlens Noel. What does that mean? One time I was at a game where uh, Andre Miller. If you remember when Andre Miller was on the Kings, mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, and he like crossed him. And he did the splits. <laughs> I was like, oh my Alice god! Noel did the splits. Getting yeah, Andre Miller. <laughs> yeah, like a and how old was Andre Miller when he was on the Kings? <laughs> Dude, like thirty eight. Yeah, he was old. That's hella funny. And it's like, oh, <laughs> like, he's like on the ground. Like that had to have hurt. Like you're you're not a guy that should probably be doing the splits. Andre Miller on the Kings was thirty eight. Yeah, I said it. Oh yeah, correct. But I think uh, Nerlens Noel has like. Haitian roots, so I think the Noel is French, and I think that's where that makes sense. So is Noel French? I believe so. I, I'm just doing this off the top of my, you know, my, my cursory knowledge of the situation. <laughs> but the Kings, they got uh, Nerlens Noel for one year, three point one million. I don't believe, and correct me, John. Uh, I don't believe it's a guaranteed contract until I don't know. Do you know the specifics better than I do? If not, I'll look it up. Well, all I know is that, like, it got reported yesterday that it was official. But, like, if you go on Spot Track, for instance, it still has it in purple, which means estimated. So here, I'm going to look up the uh, specifics. I thought it wasn't, but maybe it is. Well, that's why I thought it getting, you know, I think Anderson reported on Sunday that it was guaranteed. It just had, it had been or official. It's official. Like it's gone through the league office, I think. Okay, I thought it wasn't. I thought it was only like, but like you said. Spot Track has it still in purple, which means that's the estimated value, which no. they have it at two point oh two million dollars. Which I, I thought it was three point one. It was reported as three point one. So the Kings got Noel for one year. I think maybe three point one. Who knows exactly? I mean, I think it was a great move really it was a simple I, i'm assuming that's the league minimum nowadays it's not yeah, it, it, it is a minimum deal for him okay and it, i mean it's perfect it works out really well the kings as good as alex lynn was to end the season last year he's still i think a question mark trey lyles as a small ball five throughout the whole year like yeah i think he'll be great as a small ball five but i mean you can't go small every time and he the new orleans noel was a guy the king's maybe not the Kings were linked to per se. Maybe they were last season, but I think it's some, a name that we brought up a lot and a lot of Kings fans brought up for a guy the Kings should go after for that big hole at the backup five position last season. And I guess, I mean, it still technically exists if we still have the same guys backing up the five right now. So he's an athletic guy. He's a shot blocker, you know, not a stretch guy at all, but someone who, He's going to give you some interior presence, which isn't like we said, something Mike Brown essentially wants. I mean, he, he does. He wants an interior presence. He doesn't want a shot blocker. Noel's kind of known for blocking shots, but he's still a good interior presence. And so it's, you know, it just works out well. He's you know, hopefully he can provide some good defense in the interior and uh, grab some rebounds and run the floor well. I mean, that's all you can really ask for him. And I think that's what he's going to provide pretty well. What do you, how do you feel about this signing? Well, yeah, it's just a, like you kind of hinted at there. First of all, it's one of those perfect examples of like, yeah, the Kings were linked to Noel as soon as the report came out in like, I think it was December when it was like, might even been before that, but December, still fairly early in the season. And Detroit and Noel had reportedly come to an agreement to seek out trade options to move him. And then that never happened. He became the buyout candidate and then, you know, ended up going to the Nets. And you know, without having to expend anything, the Kings just waited and waited for him to come around and negotiated a contract with him. So it was kind of like yet another example of how kind of patience pays off. 
and not being like overly ambitious or zealous about a particular guy. Uh, because we saw that with, with Duarte. I mean, that's probably a little bit more of an extreme example because he was a guy that was untouchable. And then you end up pretty much getting him for, you know, from the discount bin at the grocery store. But still, Noel kind of fits that bill. And I think we were talking, you know, Len mixed with Lyles as a small five. If you could kind of somehow kind of fill in the gaps between that, because Len, he's, he moves pretty well for his size. But what Noel's going to give you, he's going to give you that interior shot blocking presence, but he moves laterally extremely well. And he's just quicker. And I think you're going to have more of a chance. Like, I'd much rather, and I don't think anybody's going to argue with me on this. This seems obvious to anybody that can just look at the guys without them, you know, without ever having watched them play, just looking at their body types and whatnot. I would much rather, and everybody would much rather have Noel switch on to a guy than Len. And Noel might be able to give you some element of that. I mean, he's 29. Uh, He's not the freshest his body's ever been. But he's going to give you something a little different in terms of being bigger than Lyle's but about the same height as Len, you know, the, the big, tall, vertical, imposing presence, but still slim and athletic and mobile. So I think you're getting, with Len, Noel, and Lyles, you're, you have something different with each of them. They're, they're not the same mold of player. They, they're, they're, they differentiate in ways that kind of, you can kind of go off and or you need to stretch it out and space the floor and go with Lyles, you know. Mm-hmm. You want, I mean, the differentiations between Len and Noel kind of just come down to mobility, I guess. And it's not even like Len is immobile compared to what I thought of him eight months ago. <laughs> he was just From when he wasn't playing. Yeah. <laughs> like, at all. Any sample size. I'm just like, I guess he's just doesn't have anything anymore. I know. I like how, I like how he just didn't play. Like at all last year until like the last two weeks and we resigned him. I, mean, I know. That's why I always feel like kind of reluctant to call the hole at the back of five. Cause I'm like, was it a hole? There was a mound of dirt there that they could have filled it with all year long, you know? Yeah. Alex it's weird. It was, it was, sorry, it was, I don't know, I'm forgetting this already, but was Len, was that a two-year deal with Len last, he he was on the team yeah. the last two seasons? Yeah, that was the second, last season was the second of a two-year deal. And he was on, and he just signed a one-year or two-year deal? I think it was a one-year deal. Okay, I believe so as well. I just don't like remember. Like 3.2 million or something? Yeah, well, he's making point one more million than Noel. He's better. He should be. He should be the <laughs> the main backup. Uh, well, I mean, I think Len, for continuity's sake, technically probably has a little bit of a leg up on him in that regard. But like I said, Len and Noel bring different things to the table. It may become very much matchups based. But yeah, I mean, one of the things that's interesting is the the center group now is really like satisfactory i would say and i think now i I guess because last season we were talking about the center rotation with the idea of oh you're gonna have sabonis rashawn holmes and alex lynn as a third guy like that's gonna be the greatest positional grouping on the team on the roster it's gonna be incredible and that quickly fell on its face and then kind of recouped with alex lens kind of i wouldn't call it a resurgence because he he didn't research you know he didn't like you know return from anything he he just showed up finally uh, in terms of Mike Brown putting him in eight games left in the regular season. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess my question is like, how similar do you feel to the Kings at the center position on paper now uh, compared to a year ago? 
Like, do you think it's better, the same? Is it more realistic? Was last year more of a pipe dream in, high, in hindsight? I mean, what do you think? Um, I mean, it's hard to compare just because, like, going into last season, it's like, oh, my God, Rashawn Holmes has your backup five? It's like, whoa. Like, on paper, that sounded amazing. Um, yeah. clearly, clearly, it's not. I don't feel as good. I guess like if I was like, if you had me last year at this time and you had like my emotions, like having Sabonis and Holmes, and then you had my emotions like compared to now with Sabonis and Noel, cause I'm going to assume Noel is going to be the primary backup five. Personally, he just seems like he might fit better unless Alex Lynn can really just kind of just go in and play how he was playing to end the season last year. I was more excited last year for sure. Cause Holmes seemed like the better backup. But um, knowing what I know now, I suppose, like, I'm a lot happier. Well, I'm not a lot happier. But, I, I mean, it's nice that we could finally get rid of Holmes and get a decent backup in Noel, a guy who kind of fit what we were looking for. And almost, like, is kind of Rashawn Holmes-esque. I remember when the Kings were trying to resign Rashawn Holmes a couple seasons ago. Um, I think, like, a guy that was in the back of everyone's mind was Noel if we couldn't get Holmes because he had a good little uh, stint on the Knicks. And I think the Knicks ended up signing him or re-signing him as well. But he's just an interior guy. He's not going to stretch the floor. He's got a decent little, I think, like decent little mid-range game as well. Like Holmes, not like, I don't think he like shoots jump shots, but he can he can put up some little floaters as well around the rim at a high percentage. So he's uh, he seemed like a nice little backup to Holmes in case we couldn't get him. And now we have him. Yeah, it's been a couple of years like it has for Holmes, and they probably have declined since then, but... We got him now, kind of like you said. We could have, you know, got him last year and maybe gave up some things for him. But now we got him at a minimum deal as a backup role to Sabonis. Like, I think him going in for, what, 13 minutes, 14 minutes a game, and maybe less if it's like Lyles or Lynn getting those minutes. I think he's perfect for the role, really, and more suited than Rashawn Holmes was, obviously. Yeah, I think think the one thing, I agree with you on the whole thing, because it's hard to ignore the fact that, there were so many reasons to be high on the center rotation a year ago. But the one thing that kind of makes it better, the one thing that you can make an argument like, no, 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 you should be more excited now than you were a year ago because how much money are you spending at the center position? True. Just looking at the backups, you're spending far less money there at uh, center depth, basically. Mm-hmm. So that that's really something to be happy about. And then on Noel's jump shooting, I think when he was playing with Detroit, he put up a few threes just because it's like, what the hell? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> and I think he knocked down one or two. Like you can find, he didn't take very many field goal attempts as it was. So you can like go on NBA.com and watch all of them. Uh, I don't expect him to be stretching the floor either, but I know that he took a fair amount of like mid range jump shots. Okay, not like he did. Shots little floaters it, with Detroit. And again, that might have had to do with just his kind of placement and ties in terms of long term with the team. So it's just like, hey, show show everybody what you got in your bag, maybe. But so I don't know how much he'll actually use it. But you know, Noel might be you know, obviously Lyles is the best jump shooter out of guys that can man the five. But Noel could be putting himself in a position to have a little bit of a mid range game or something. Again, I don't know how much that'll get used, but. Guys might give it to you. Look at Sabonis. <laughs> I'm on I'm on Nerland's Noel. I'm on his uh I'm on his basketball reference and it has nicknames. If you're ever on basketball reference, it'll like say their name and then <laughs> and <laughs> nickname. And one of his nicknames is the Nerland Wall. <laughs> so funny. 
Why though? That thing fell. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm definitely it's, gonna use that. I don't care if it fell. It's just too it's just too perfect. The Nerlin wall. All right. But yeah, I mean King Shen should be maybe not like ecstatic, but I mean it's definitely a good pickup. I mean, it's always hard, I guess, to get excited about a backup five unless maybe it was Nas Reed. But um Hey, you led this off by saying just all the mentioning and kind of highlighting all the troubles they had at this role last season. So maybe ecstatic's not the right word, but people should definitely be, you know, happy and satisfied with this. Because it's just like, it's exactly what we were talking about. It's like, man, if they could just bolster the center with just like another guy that can maybe compete for minutes or at least kind of really hold down a third spot, you know, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And they more than did that with Noel. And like you said, minimum deal. What more could you ask for? Yeah, exactly. So there's that. Noel on the team got three and a half centers. I'm going to call Lyle's a half. That's fair. Because, I mean, he's going to be, I think, honestly, he's going to be splitting time between the four and the five, depending on that small ball lineup. And clearly, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I'm very interested to see Lyle's role this year with Vaznikov and with um, Noel and Lynn on the team now and kind of see where he fits in. I mean, he, I hope, I mean, he was so good last year. It's hard to imagine that he just loses like, rotation minutes. But, yeah. But um, I don't know. Like Mike Brown, he has he has a good problem on his hands, <laughs> honestly. Well, yeah. Well, now he's, now he's on both sides of Lyles at the four and the five. He's got guys that are there to take over. If, and, and that way you can maximize mm-hmm. Lyles' versatility. True. So Vizinkov's there if you want to play Lyles at the five. Noel's there if you want to play, keep Lyle's playing the four, yada, yada. So it's just like, like, that's what makes this offseason so promising. Cause like some people are like, oh, they're just bringing back the same team. Like, that's not exciting. But it's like, no, they're actually deeper. I would say. And they were pretty deep last year. Yeah. Oh, they're so much deeper. I mean, bringing in Vezinkov and getting Noel, it's like, it's big, honestly. And getting Duarte, I'm going to say Duarte because the guys were making fun of me for saying Darte. Sorry. So Duarte, <laughs> they got Duarte. Um, I mean, that's three, like, again, there were three, like, I, I, I'm most excited about Vizinkov or Cove. I don't, I don't know how to say it correctly yet. It's, it, no, it's, it's Vizinkov. Vizinkov. Um, yeah, you always say Vizinkov. I'm like, no, that, why would it be, Viz- <laughs> like, why would it be that? <laughs> but Tony says names the way he says it. And I defend his right to do that. Thank you. Uh, it's freedom of speech. So, um, freedom of ignorance. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, like not the biggest. I mean, I'm the most excited, like I was saying before I started questioning how to say Sasha's name. I was going to call him Sasha. Sasha V. Um, <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm most excited about him. But Duarte and Noel, like two other guys as well with uh, Vizinkov. <laughs> I'm just going to. No, you had it. Him. Don't hesitate. You had it. <laughs> Vizinkov. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, Three guys new to the team. They're gonna not like gonna start right off. I mean, not gonna start at all. Not gonna start right off the bat. No, they're not gonna start. They're not gonna start at all. But um, guys who are definitely gonna help the depth, and they're there. Good pickups. Not the sexiest moves, if I can use that. But um, they, I mean, I think underrated, if anything. Yeah, I definitely agree. But um, Noel, the fourteenth standard contract, and we're talking about depth here. There's a one more standard contract spot. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a glaring, I guess, not hole, but 
spot that they could fill at a particular position. Do you think that that's the third point guard? Um, I mean, you think it kind of has to be, right? I don't. I mean, I, who else, right? Unless you want Keon Ellis to be that. Well, I mean, he's he's on the two way, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, he can still technically be the third point guard if you True. want. But I mean, you kind of want him in the G League at that point. Um, I mean that you have three guys at every position now, right? So I mean, it makes sense. You don't really have that backup, that third string point guard at the moment. So I mean, it makes the most sense, right? Yeah, but it's like I don't know. I mean, like the options in terms of going out and bringing in a third point guard would be like Raul Neto or Ish Smith, I think are both still available. Which, I mean, in terms of a third point guard, that would that would make some sense. I think Neto would be a little better in terms of having to uh, provide spot minutes. But Ish Smith kind of gives you that veteran presence. You know, he used the former fastest player in the league with the current fastest player in the league. I remember when uh, John Wall got bought out, everybody's like, bring John Wall into your backup point guard. <laughs> Why? I don't understand. What are you talking about? But... <laughs> I kind of like the idea that it's like, we'll think about their speed together. I'm like, okay, well, now you're kind of saying something interesting. But yeah, I don't know. But And then, of course, there's that whole concept of kind of doing it by committee. The Kings could totally do it by committee. You know, Malik Monk, some people could maybe make the argument that he was the backup point guard. I mean, obviously he wasn't. But he did handle the ball far more than Davion Mitchell did. And that's kind of how you want it to be, considering Monk's talents there. You know, you have... Colby Jones kind of handled the ball a lot. Obviously, he's not a point guard, but if you're talking about a committee situation, that's another name that can handle the ball. We're talking about situations where they want Keegan Murray to have a more uh, a bigger role in terms of being able to create with the ball in his hands, or at least start orienting him towards that. And then, you know, I think there are various points in the season where you saw like Herder get four, five, six assists just randomly. Not this, not saying that he's a point guard, of course, but it's just like, Again, that committee, guys that can bring the ball up and get things going. And then, of course, you have Sabonis. I mean, you could argue that your main fac- – not, not, it's not an argument. It just is. Your main facilitator is your center, which might change the conventional standards of how many point guards you need on the team. Mm-hmm. So and this is my long-winded way of saying I really don't know. They could use the 15th spot. They might not use it at all. They might use it to bring in a guy that plays on the wing further depth there where they never had depth before mm-hmm. or, get another center or something like that. It doesn't have to be a third point guard. It just makes, seems like it would make so much more sense, but also it makes sense that they would bypass again, going for those conventional standards. So a big question mark there. Interesting. A little bit of intrigue here in late July. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> if you want to call it 15 spots again, and not a, uh, a spot I'd care too much about. Not saying it's not important. Um, I really like Delhi at that 15 spot last season. But then you bring up like Neto and Smith and stuff like that. It's like, I mean, yeah, but are are they going to want to be third string point guards at this point? Like, I think if I could answer that question, I think Ish Smith, he's not going to be a backup point guard anywhere at his age. And then Raul Neto, I think the reason he hasn't been signed yet is he's trying to get a rotational role, I think. That's nice. my suspicion because he played pretty well kind of having to get minutes for Cleveland last season. And I think he and probably his agent are under the belief that, that he can get a payout for more. So maybe he's in talks with the Kings or the Kings have called him up and he's like, we're exploring the market for a bigger role. So I don't know, maybe in a couple of weeks he might lose hope on that. Again, that's all speculation. No, we're quoting you. John said <laughs> this. Just let us know in the comments if John's wrong or not. So he usually is. <laughs> we're going to have to let you go. 
<laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. Oh my God. But I mean, now transitioning again, I mean, there's an extra standard contract spot. There's also a, an extra two-way contract spot. Maybe you kind of kill two birds with one stone. A lot of people, I mean, again, we're at a point where conversations are not abounding in terms of topics, but one of the things that people are talking about since summer league and during summer league and after summer league, all that stuff is the local kid, Jordan Ford. I think it was a couple of days ago, Jason Anderson wrote a piece for the SAC B kind of analyzing the roster as it stands now. I think he kind of posited that there's a chance that with that open two-way contract spot that Ford might have the one of the more prominent opportunities to fill that, that, that contract spot. But, I mean, I don't know. Jordan Ford's a great story. I think he's a crafty player. Very good. But he's 6'1", 175 pounds, not blowing by people, not explosive. He's really... You know, it's always like everybody says in sports, especially basketball, when a guy's crafty, that's a nice way of saying they're not exceptionally athletic or special in any certain way. Mm. They really like crafty means what it means. You're kind of you, you're, you're getting creative with what is at your disposal, which may not be much. And that's not this. I mean, the guy scored like 14 points per game in Stockton last season. I think he shot 40 percent from three. He's a good scoring point guard can drive and penetrate the defense and all that stuff but it's like yeah doing that in the g league and summer league is one thing but a guy at that stature with um his skill set i don't know if he's gonna be making a huge dent in the nba and he's been in the he's been a pro for what three years now three or i think two or three years has it i really don't yeah. know too much about him the first two professional seasons with the clippers g league squad and then he was with stockton last season but yeah, I don't know. The only time he ever got invited to camp, I think, was an as as an undrafted rookie with the Clippers. So I don't know. That just seems that the thing that I get wary of is like, is that just are we just leaning into this because it's a good story, or is it like, is that really an option? And if it's an option, that's not that seems pretty bleak. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, no offense to Jordan Ford, but. We're talking about this team being having great depth and everything like that. That would be probably the most underwhelming move in terms of depth. Yeah, it, it, it feels more like a feel-good story. I mean, he's from Folsom High, local kid. He played well in the summer league, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's not an NBA player. And I mean, I don't know. He could prove us wrong. Look at Isaiah Thomas at 5'9", a little bigger, I think, probably than 175 or at least stronger looking. But I don't know. I, I just seems like something people want to get their hopes up over. And it does feel good. It's like, you, of course, you're rooting for the Sacramento boys to play for the Kings. But like it just kind of seems like a waste of a spot as for a guy who probably will never play at the NBA level. Still rooting for him. But I think at this point, it still seems like a waste. Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> I'll reserve the word waste for you to use. But um, <laughs> the third point guard, you really just want stability. Like That's what made... Delhi so great now obviously he hit like that three in Charlotte and he hit a couple other big shots here and there but it's like his main thing stability both on and off the floor so I don't know does, does a, a 23 or 24 25 year old Jordan Ford who's I don't think ever played an NBA game is that going to give you that stability that kind of veteran presence of course not mm -hmm. so I don't know It'd be interesting. I think you'd be better off not having a 15, just having 14 guys on the standard roster. 
in bypassing the conventional standards of a third point guard at that point, because, you know, like I said, I'm not going to use the word waste, but you know that if Jordan Ford or if, even if like, I mean, I, that's why the committee thing seems so realistic because you're talking about like maybe Keon Ellison, maybe they signed Jordan Ford to a two-way contract. Well, like two ways can play what a maximum of 35 games with the NBA squad, I think. Oh, really? I honestly had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I think they can only play 30 or 35 games. It's less than half the season. They can only can, can appear in that many games. So like, I, I forgot exactly where I was going with that. But I think where I was going with that was essentially like, if you have that, that just kind of, well, that just, you know, not banking on the idea that anybody's going to miss substantial time. Like you're going to lose Davion Mitchell or De'Aaron Fox for like three quarters of the season. So with, you know, barring that, you do okay with the committee thing, maybe having a couple guys on two-way contracts to kind of fill in maybe. And then if something were to happen, then you actually try to go out and get a guy. But again, kind of just a big question mark, something to consider, right? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to mute myself. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just not going to, I'm going to ignore you. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it is, I, yeah, it is something to consider, really. Yeah. Here in late July. Yeah, it's the, the most interesting time of the season or the off season, late July. Late July. Yeah, and well, August is the best month of the basketball season. Everybody knows that. Yeah, of course. August into early September. <laughs> There's just so much going on. Uh, well, like, when does so training camp start? It's usually like the last week of September. Mm. So we got like <laughs> we have like two months. Yeah, we got a we got a second to. So soak this episode up, folks. Yeah, I, I mean, this is probably the most it's gonna the most interesting it's gonna get for you know. A little well, bit. we're gonna we're gonna make it interesting in August and early September for you. I'm sure we'll try, but um, I you know kind of sticking with the two way contract. We don't have to linger too much on this, but we, I think it's fair to give this guy some credit because we gave credit to Alex O'Connell after the second California Classic game he came in. <laughs> I know, it was like our last podcast. points in like eight minutes. Dude, I'll keep an eye on him, man. Scoring spark. Well, forget that. He had a kind of a rough go. I think in the last game against the Bucks, I think he whiffed like two dunks in a layup, like in the span of a few minutes. It's just like, oh. You feel bad for the guy because he's got a lot of – shooting talent and he's got a lot of springiness to him but it's like you can tell when a guy's trying a little too hard and you're like come on man come on i want to see you do well you don't need to blow us out of the water but a guy that was kind of blowing people out of the water was mike dom the eighth highest scoring player in ncaa basketball history that's crazy a, yes has i think it was the last uh, i forget off the top of my head i think it was the last three or four seasons overseas in europe i think he played in Spain. Italy and then Spain or Spain, then Italy. But Mike Dom, I think one of the things that was interesting about Mike Dom is you kind of just think of him as just being like a floor spacer, just a three-point shooter. And he's got a nice stroke, really good three-point shooter. A lot of the ones he made were just wetter than the ocean. And, you know, there's that. But the thing that kind of made it interesting, the thing that kind of like, I'll start off by saying this. Do I think he's going to get a two-way contract at his age, at his stage of his professional basketball career? No, I don't think he would get a two-way contract. You don't give two-way contracts to a guy like that. At least I don't think. I mean, if you're going to give a two-way contract to Mike Dom, I would say, screw it, give one to Kata. <laughs> but the thing that's interesting about Mike Dom is he's 6'9", 230-something pounds. And if you guys know anything about the measurements of Kings players, that's about the same size as 
Trey Lyles. Now, Mike Dom didn't like dominate guys boxing people out. He didn't, you know, kind of battle with guys on the glass like Trey Lyles does. He's obviously not as strong as him, but it was at least an interesting type of thing because it's like Mike Dom, three-point shooter, that size, uh, earnest rebounder and, you know, puts an effort on the glass. Kind of fits the bill of what the Kings seem to be looking for in a four because that kind of, obviously, Vizenkov will be better, but... (laughs) I mean, we talk about Vizenkov. It's like, what's the great thing about him? He's a shooter. He's a good, willing rebounder. You know, it's like, oh, kind of sounds like Trey Lyles. And then you just kind of keep going down the line. I don't know. It just sounds like the fir- the perfect idea of a power forward in the Kings' eyes. Not to say that the Kings are going to go ahead and give Mike Dom any kind of a contract necessarily, but I thought it was worth mentioning. If we were going to give Alex O'Connell some love last time, I think we should give Mike Dom some love. Yeah, I mean, totally fair. He was... uh you know what they call it, the dominator. I love that. It's very. It's almost as good as the Nerlin Wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean he, he played great in summer league. Uh, fun to watch. This guy, yeah, I mean he's a guy who seems like he would fit the Kings like game plan with the shooting ability. Kind of like the reason we're giving Alex O'Connell love. Um, just some seems unrealistic, unfortunately. Um, yeah. but I mean, you know, Hey, he played well. I mean, he deserved, he, deserved, he deserves this attention, right? Yeah. And I think the attention can, the extent of that attention will end here, but, um, <laughs> he deserved it nonetheless. Um, I think, you know, kind of here in our late July mode, I think we got about one more topic to go, go through here, Tony. And it's one of our favorite people to talk about. Keegan Murray. Keegan Purry, dude. Yeah, if any, anybody got a new cat out there and they need to name their cat, Keegan Purry. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be on the USA basketball select team, which means he'll train against the USA national team. But also, it'll do two things on top of already being a good experience for him. It might expand into an even better experience. He is going to put himself in a position to showcase what he can do for future international competitions. Which I think should be good because on this select team, like he's on there with Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran, Jalen Green, Quentin Grimes, Herbert Jones, Trey Murphy, Peyton Pritchard, Naz Reed, Langston Galloway, John Jenkins, and Eric Mika. You could maybe make the argument that Keegan Murray is the standout player. This Eric year. I mean, Mika, he he was on the Kings for a second. He was just he was like a two way guy that they would bring up from the G League when they needed a center. Well, good for him. Yeah, I forgot about that do guy. You know, do you know who John Jenkins is? I don't. <laughs> I don't. We're Langston Galloway though. Yeah, it's like you go Peyton Pritchard, Nazri. Like, oh, right, that's pretty good. Like Langston Galloway. Like, okay. I remember Langston Galloway was on the Kings for like half a season when we made that trade for Cousins. He came over in that Cousins trade, and I was uh-huh. like, whatever. It was Langston Galloway. And I remember like two years later, I was like working. <laughs> you see this guy come up and I worked at a grocery store and he had a Kings jersey on and he was like number nine on the Kings. I'm like, what? Like, who is this? And then I like see him walk away. And I was like, I'm a big Kings fan, obviously. So I'm like, number nine on the Kings. Who is this? And it wasn't like Rondo or anyone. And so I'm like, what the heck? And he like starts walking away. So I see the back of his jersey. It was it's a Galloway. I'm like, who bought a Langston Galloway Kings jersey? Hey, why? I just, I need to know. I just I go like I had so many questions for that guy. I'm like really, Galloway? Like he wasn't he wasn't like, a, like <laughs> he was obviously gonna leave after that season. 
He was a like a free agent. He just it was basically there for the trade. And I was like, really? Yeah, it is kind of. I need to know why. It's not like having like a Jimmer jersey. No, where it's like well, he was at least drafted, and there was some amount of excitement and anticipation. Yeah, it was. It was so funny. That is funny. That is kind of random. Yeah, <laughs> but. But my yes. point is that Keegan Murray amongst these names is one of the – he might be the top player among them. Um, I mean, I think, you know, Jalen Williams, Jalen Green. Kate Cunningham hasn't played enough to do that. But, I mean, I, I would make the argument that Keegan Murray might be the, the the feature player based on what he did last season. So not only is that going to put him in a position to maybe be on the national team in the near future, but if there's an injury or if somebody needs to miss time or something like that, Keegan Murray is, you know, because the select team is going to be the pool of players that could be injury replacements. And I think when Team USA performed in Tokyo for the Olympics, Bradley Beal was out with COVID. I don't know how much that'll be. So that kind of lessens the chances of, you know, injury replacements. But Kelvin Johnson took over and Kelvin Johnson got to play on the national team. So, I mean, Keegan Murray. Yeah, I mean. That would be great. That would be awesome. And that would be That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. I mean, like we always talk about how the Kings brand is building. I think that would be really, really big. And I think in terms of really kind of setting that spark under what we think of as an inevitability, but of course is an inevitable, but seems like a near certainty that Keegan Murray is going to ascend and become the Kings solid, like entrench himself as the Kings third best player, kind of maybe the third star. So talk about that journey this could be huge it could be pivotal uh in 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 reaching that point yeah i mean i it's it's kind of like the reason i see why he played in california classic and of course it has more implications being for the u.s team and maybe playing there in the future but looking at it for this season alone he played two games in the california classic to build his confidence going into next season having the ball a lot more in his hands trying to develop that part of his game and creating his own shot um and now he's like you know, still trying to work on himself. And he's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to play at the U.S. national team. Yeah, it's like, you know, the U.S. national team, uh, or what's it called exactly? I guess it is that. But, um, you know, maybe it's not <laughs> as big as names as it has been in years past, but it still has really good players on it. Um, I mean, when you play with some of the league's best, you're going to get better by learning from them and adjusting your game to, you know, guard them or be guarded by them. And so... I mean, it's just, it's going to be great for his development. Um, I think De'Aaron Fox was on this team several years ago as well. And I mean, look how he turned out. I'm pretty sure he was on the select team. I think Steph Curry, I think Clay Thompson all started out doing that. Like a lot of good players uh, have, have, have started out doing this. Um, but I think I like what you're saying there. I mean, you know, it's one thing to build up your confidence, show what you got, test out what you got against summer league talent. But going in to train and basically practice against the World Cup team, the national team, that's going to be that's going to be just massive in terms of that development, like you said. Yeah. So this is this is a big it's a big thing for Keegan Murray. It almost seems like by the Kings running it back, as it were, by not having like massive seismic level moves. It kind of just lets. It's almost like the off season of Keegan Murray. <laughs> it really is. I mean. Um... Because you talk about like the additions to the team or the improvement of the team, the improvement of the team might be contingent on what Keegan Murray does. You know? Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, you know what you're going to get from – you really know what you're going to get from everyone. Maybe not Herder, um, can, you know, based on his conditioning. 
but it's like everyone else. It's like you kind of know what you're going to get, and especially from like the main rotational guys and starters. You, you know what they're going to bring to the table. It's like Murray. He's he's had he's the guy that you know, was a rookie last year, obviously, um, with big expectations on him. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it really is going to be dependent on him, not solely. I mean, of course, they can do well, even if he performs at a mediocre level. But I mean, a lot of weights falling on this kid right now, and hopefully he's taking it well. Um, and it seems like he's doing what he needs to to get better, too which is maybe just raising our excitement and building the pressure, which is good. He, we're not just like putting this all on him. He's like, uh, well, I haven't done anything. You know, he's making the strides to try to get better. So, I mean, that's, he just building the hype really. And uh, hopefully it pays off. And I think it can, I mean, high character guy, someone who's putting in the work. Even if Keegan Murray plateaus to be a 203 pointers made guy every season, yeah, that's something to fall back on. So yeah. I'm not too worried about pressure, right? I don't think you are. No, not really. But sophomore slumps do exist. Maybe not so much in the NBA. Maybe that's kind of like a baseball thing. I feel like. No, it's fair because if you're the success of your rookie season leaned massively on th- made three point shots, it's a make or miss lead. Yep, you could miss, uh, you know, a couple more of those, and who knows? Yeah. So, but as of now, things look good. Sounds good. Yeah, it's. So exciting. We'll probably be talking about Keegan and Larry, <laughs> Keegan Larry, Keegan Murray a lot more this offseason. Um, like he said, he's the hot topic of the offseason and he's doing a lot to make us excited and be that hot topic. Keep it up, Keegan. Keep it up, Keegan. On this week's episode of Keeping Up with Keegan, Tony and John discuss Keegan Murray and the USA Select team. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Let's go. But um, yeah. That about covers all we got to talk about today and maybe maybe the next two months, I swear. But <laughs> um, stuff will come up. We will do more podcasts before the season starts. Of course. Bi-weekly, probably. Kind yeah, of exactly. So as always, we appreciate your support. And we're just kind of letting you know our schedule just so you're not disappointed if you don't see a Cap City Crown podcast one week. Uh, Sack King, Sack Kingstock podcast, I guess is what it's called, uh, by Cap City Ground. But um, yeah. In the meantime, we're still doing other analysis, putting stuff out on the website and stuff on the YouTube channel. So mm-hmm. if it's not necessarily the Kingstock podcast, you'll be able to get a lot more content from us. Yes, exactly. So if that's it, um, John, do you have anything to add before I sign us off? No, I don't think we need to talk about Mike Dom any further. The real highlight of the offseason. <laughs> yeah but um cool well that's it i want to thank you all for tuning in and until next time have a good one <laughs>